Alright, hello and welcome back to another episode of Film Drunkies with Griffin Friends. As promised, we have our second friend on the show today, and it's none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Keaton Schroeder. How are you, sir? Good, how are you? Happy to be here. I'm doing fantastic having you sit aside from me. <laughs> I, uh, if, In case you couldn't figure out by his name or by knowing this ahead of time, he this is my brother on little the podcast brother. with me this week. Yeah, my little brother, um, who coincidentally, I actually wanted to start this podcast with um, when I first had the idea to do it, but he goes to Western, and uh, that's two and a half hours away from me because yeah. I've moved since moved from Kalamazoo and so it would have been Skype calls every week and that's just kind of unattainable so it would have been a little difficult to manage uh having to do the podcast over Skype every right week, so so since it's the Mother's Day weekend and we both love our mother we happen to be in the same place at the same time <laughs> celebrating her and so we figured we'd take some time to talk about a movie together which an coincidentally incredible movie an incredible, incredible yeah movie. coincidentally is the one where on Instagram I started posting saying people should yeah. give us recommendations um, when it was still Trey and I and then uh, when I've moved to this new format now I've been looking for more recommendations so that I can kind of please the viewers more and Keaton had actually recommended this film and I decided hey why not bring you on the podcast to talk about it and it was actually really cool because that was just the fact that that was one of the movies that I wanted to hear you guys talk about and I'd commented on your post before about how you guys had all the facts and like you guys obviously knew what you were talking about um, it was just it was cool now to be able to come on and be able to talk about the movie that I wanted to hear so much about and the fact that I was able to research it on my own and now have this discussion was really cool yeah, so we're going to see how you do here. You're in the hot seat now. I can feel it. I can feel the uh, the pressure. i got to be perfect. That's right. Uh, well, moving into it then, we'll, we'll address the movie we're going to be talking about, which is uh, the 2017 smash hit. Oh, yeah. Baby Driver. Baby Driver. Which is uh, one that we both love. Um, I can't remember which one of us saw it first. I know we saw it around the same time, but... I think yeah, it was within probably a week of each other. Yeah, but I think we you both agreed it first, and then because mm-hmm. we worked together at the time, and then you're like, "Baby Driver is such a great movie," and then I saw it and was fell in love with it. Yep, and I own it as I do with most of the movies we talk about <laughs> on here. But um, this is one especially that I know Keaton really enjoys, and so that's why I wanted had decided to talk about this one on the podcast. Yeah, just just how unique this movie is, and, and we're gonna get into it, but just. Um, I don't know, something special for me about this this movie is just it, it's nothing like I'd ever seen before in the way it's structured and the way, you know, the step one is so different from any other type of movie that I had seen. So it's just something that I uh, really wanted to talk about and get into. Yeah, so as always, I'll start out with giving the uh, plot summary for this film. So Baby is a young getaway driver contracted to a master criminal, Doc. Doc's specialty is armed robberies. He puts together teams for each heist, with Baby being the only constant. Baby completes his last job for Doc and is now free. He sets about leading a normal life, getting a legitimate job, and starting a relationship. However, Doc views Baby as sort of a good luck charm, and using threats of violence, pulls him back into the criminal world. With a particular job in mind, Doc assembles his team. However, the other individuals are incompatible with each other, if not psychotic, and soon, not only is Baby's life at risk, but also Deborah's. Ooh, Deborah's. This summer, Baby Driver. (laughs) Uh, Two summers ago, Baby Driver. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a movie that I was thinking about different ways that I like to talk about 
or describe this movie to people um, when I'm giving it as a recommendation and, and kind of letting people in on the type of movie that it is. Yeah. I think this is just like my favorite getaway driver bank heist yep. movie I've ever seen. Yeah, and that's that's something that, again, is so great about it is how tedious they were about every single shot and like the getaway cars and, and mm-hmm. how they're maneuvering on the streets. Everything was so tedious, and it comes across in the film just as just the amount of detail that was put into everything really comes across on the screen. Yeah, and... You can keep all 35 Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. Because this we don't one is better them. than all of them. Baby. And it's because, for me, I mean, we'll talk about it, but a lot of it is because it's more of, like, an intricately made, like, musical movie. In a way, it yeah, it really yeah. is. That's like, one of the things I was trying to pinpoint was that about the uniqueness is that everything is really focused on the music in this movie. Mm-hmm. So as far as any movie goes, there's obviously great songs that they'd compose for it or like, you know, you pick out whatever songs really fit the mood. Right. Just something that's so unique and, and so special about this movie is the fact that they tried to fit the movie and, and the takes around the music. And that I think that just adds a whole nother level to the fact of like, it's somewhat of a musical, but they're not singing it. It's yeah. just driving the scene itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that's both not a part of the movie like right. literally like it's not in their world but at the same time it is because yeah. like baby's always listening to music and they're they've even like john ham a couple times we'll get into who's in the movie but it's yeah. like the, the music is acknowledged certain times that it's actually we're being right and some, we're some really it. cool ways some really mm-hmm. cool ways um well we're not the only ones who thought that this was a great movie as Absolutely far as not. ratings go rotten tomatoes has it as a 93 percent uh, IMDb has a, a, a lower 7.6%, but then Metacritic, which I've talked about, um, is my kind of favorite one because it's a bunch of professional movie critics. They have it at 86%, which is really yeah, good. I, I saw that one too, and I was like, I was surprised that the Metacritic was actually higher than the IMDb. IMDb yeah. I thought I thought it would have been more of a fan favorite, but mm-hmm. maybe just because it's a passion project and like you can see how much they care about it, especially Edgar Wright, who... I believe he wrote it and he directed it. So he did. Edgar Wright wrote you can really, and directed. I don't know, you can see that it, the fact that it's like it's his project, it's his movie. He really wanted to do mm-hmm. his vision and follow through with that. So I feel like that just yeah. And if you're if you're not familiar with Edgar Wright, he also wrote and directed uh, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and he actually wrote Ant Man. Ant Man, yeah, yeah. Is which I I did not even realize until i started doing research for this and i was like how did i not know that this guy has yeah. like two of two of my favorite movies because i love ant-man in the marvel world so. yeah we both are big marvel people maybe we'll review a marvel movie or two in the <sighs> that'd, future that'd here. be dangerous we could talk for days on marvel <laughs> well um specifically about edgar Wright too this was actually his first movie that he ever uh directed in the united states is it really yeah because sean Cause the I dead know, yeah, and hot fuzz done, like, were and scott pilgrim actually uk movies mm-hmm yeah, so it was, he made a splash with this one. It was a good. Uh, it obviously had an impact on people. I actually saw that a fact about Edgar Wright. He said in an interview after the movie had come out that um, he was driving to a store somewhere and pulled in next to his car and got out and saw a bumper sticker on the back that said "Baby on Board," <laughs> but it had the outline of like Ansel Elgort's face oh, really? on it. And he he said that he went back in his car and got like a sticky note and wrote. Uh, from the director of Baby Driver, I approve, and then like left him an autograph and put it on that's their so windshield. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so definitely a lot of people really love this movie. Oh, yeah. And obviously not just from the fact that it's 
a great movie in itself. Like they had some some great performances in it or some some big names in there. Yeah, um obviously we had Ansel Elgort in the starring role as Baby who you might know from The Fault in Our Stars or the D- Divergent series or even just to just do a quick break off of that or music because he does have mm-hmm. his own music and that's, that's what I was going to say that's probably where we like him the most from because he actually makes great music. Yeah, yeah, and he had worked with Logic who's one of my favorite rappers so just yeah i mean he's out there just in pop culture which is funny because he like sings a couple times in the movie and it's like he has to purposely make himself seem like he's not good at singing yeah like he doesn't really have a great voice which is so weird which is probably i feel like it makes sense though because like his voice doesn't match him like he's a very like like, pronounced silky like kind of he's got a really nice voice um, so moving on through the cast list there, then we have John Bernthal, who you might know from The Wolf of Wall Street, or he plays the Punisher mm-hmm. on Netflix, yep. uh, and his character's name is Griff, wow. so I thought I would mention that. <laughs> no, that's something that I actually had written down in my notes, too. I was like, Griff, in bold letters, <laughs> John Bernthal. That's one of the only characters in movies named Griff that I'm proud to, like, assimilate to. Yeah. There's like that, you remember that movie Jumper? Yeah, trash, the main character. trash movie. His oh, name was Griffin. Yeah, that was a rough move to get. And through. I just try to like, not acknowledge that. Uh, next, though, then we have uh, we had uh, Jamie Fox mm-hmm. in there, who I think a lot of bats. people didn't like him as the bad guy. I thought that he did a great job playing bats. Yeah, I thought I... he was did really well. And Edgar Wright actually like almost never lets people improvise on his movies, and mm-hmm. he said that he let. Jamie Foxx improvised a bunch in this film because he thought that, like, he just had a really good idea of what, like, Jamie had a good idea of what Edgar wanted yeah. that character to look like, and he was like, you go ahead and say what you think. I mean, I, I think that the way that Jamie Foxx acted and played Bats it w- was awesome. I mean, because he's not, he is the bad guy in the movie, but there's so many, it's a, it's a world of bad people. So yeah. it's not like you're specifically going like, oh, that guy's, like, ruining everything. You're kind of like... Oh, he's just one of the pawns in the game that's mm-hmm. really not going well for baby at all. Right. So, and I, I think- like how too like they they when in a lot of these movies like Fast and Furious or uh other kind of tacky like heist getaway movies everyone is like a specific character that always says yep. like Ludacris is going to have the comedic relief and like The Rock is going to make fun of somebody's hair or right. something or the rock is there to be to be a big, big strong guy. bad guy yeah, yeah like, and, and like vin diesel is gonna like say something about his family and then like <laughs> drive away like it's always but then this movie like they have characters that do certain roles but like they're intricately developed characters they're Absolutely. not just like oh jamie fox is on screen which means he's gonna say something stupid like he's, right he you don't know what his character's gonna do because he's psychotic and, and that's, that's what yeah it is. i was just about to say that's one of the biggest character traits of bats is how unpredictable he is mm-hmm. and i feel like that's something that jamie fox says a great job bringing through is the fact that like he'll change on the drop of a dime like whatever's going through his head is how he's going to portray himself and Mm -hmm. how he's going to act towards others so is any again i'll I'll repeat myself but jamie fox did a really really good job in this movie i like smoked pig (laughs) (laughs) i clocked these boys when i walked in that's right yeah he's uh he's great in that role um John Hamm is in this film as Snaps. Buddy, who, yeah, I love John Hamm. You might know him from uh, Mad Men Mad Men, or my list of Sexiest Men Alive. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's, everyone's collective <laughs> list of, of what a human specimen is. Um, yeah, no, he's great in this film. I know you had a, a fact about that, actually. Right. So, um, something that I was really shocked by, actually, because I know that um, when I had been researching, there was a couple different 
actors that had were supposed to play roles and everything and didn't end up following through with it. But John Hamm is actually one of the original cast members, mm-hmm. um, or from the original screen reading. The so the part was written for oh, him. Yeah, that's uh, sorry, that's what it but is. But then, w- in the way that movies work, is before they start filming things or as they're filming things, yeah. they have table reads where everyone sits down and figures out. And you can change actors out of this part yeah. if you don't feel like they're playing it right. But John Hamm actually stayed from that first table read all the way through to the end of the movie, and he was the only one, the original, the OG. Yeah, he was the only the actor who was in the final movie from the first table read. Yeah, which is, I mean, which is very impressive. of course. Why wouldn't you keep? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, keep good him call around? to keep John yeah. Hamm around. Um, and someone actually that left this movie that we talked about. Um, so there's a Big role name. of Deborah, who mm-hmm. is Baby's love interest in this movie. Uh, Emma Stone was actually originally sought out right. to play this movie and was briefly attached, but had to drop out to make La La Land. So. Which, we talked about it, it was like if there's any movie you're going to yeah. drop out for, yeah, La La Land's probably a good call. But um, I mean, at the same time, there was um, the the actress that plays Deborah. I think it's Lily James. I think it yeah, is. she played Cinderella. Also, yeah, uh, I think I mean, I had not previously seen her in, in a lot of stuff. At least I can't recall her acting in in a lot of other movies or TV shows or anything before this movie. Mm-hmm. She did a great job as like the second kind of lead or like the female lead. Um, She's it's, actually going to be the lead in, uh, there's a movie called Yesterday that's coming out that's about the Beatles. Oh, where, right, right, right. Did I show you that? Yeah, that one yeah. where everyone forgets the Beatles were a band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that hope looks they, like a great movie, too. the Beatles are my favorite band, I hope they yeah. do well with that. But she's a title role in that, I think maybe because of Baby Driver, she's starting to come around more. Like, she was in the Absolutely. Mamma Mia 2 movie that just came out last year. Like, these are all things, she was in Sorry to Bother You at, um, did you end up ever watching Sorry to Bother You? I did not. Okay. Whatever. There's a lot. I'm sure I have. If there's anybody that I recommend movies to more than any other, like it's probably you that I yeah, send movies I to. So. so you probably have a long. list I do of have movies. a very long list that I cannot seem to get through because yeah. I just add more on. <laughs> but she's got a lot of things that it looks like. I'm just looking at her IMDb, IMDb page. Like it looks like she's got a lot of stuff since this movie, but yeah. it wasn't much before. Right. And I feel like that that almost would have taken away from it because I mean you have Jamie Fox, John Hamm. Unfortunately, you have Kevin Spacey. Yeah, um, you know you have that. Ansel Elgort, John Bernthal. Like you have all these great actors, and obviously, there's you can't have too much star power in one movie. But I feel like the fact that mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to expect from her, and then she just kind of came through as the actual character Deborah to me, rather than like, yeah. oh, there's Emma Stone. You know, it's just right. I just looked at her and I was like. That that makes sense. She's baby's love interest. I cool. I completely get it. You know. Yeah. We don't yeah. know much about her, but if it was Emma Stone, you're like, oh, easy A. Yeah. Uh, right. You you draw her other work into it, but mm-hmm. her. I I mean, I don't I don't mean to be like dragging her or anything like that, but I you know I had never seen her in anything, and I thought she did. She shined. Yeah, she did a great job. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Kevin Spacey also does play Doc, Ooh. who yeah we uh, I think I've established a precedent of. Uh, fully not supporting and openly calling out people who I think are uh, lesser human beings. Uh, <laughs> and Kevin Spacey has recently, unfortunately, been added to that list. Um, yeah. Which is like, hey, man, it's 2019. If you're gay, just be gay. But, like, don't sexually assault people. And that's super cool. Like, it's <laughs> that's, really easy to yeah, do I that. Yeah, like that's pretty black and white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but... It's it's sad to say because like he's taken some of my favorite thing like yeah. I want to do an episode about American Beauty but I don't know if I can because Kevin Spacey but I'll probably I mean that's a great I mean movie. we're doing Baby Driver but we he's are doing Baby it. Driver and he is in it so maybe we'll just 
as long as I think as long as you put it out in front that you don't like him as a person. Yeah, disclaimer. Yeah, <laughs> you put that out. Just Kevin Spacey is not a good human, and then yeah. but this movie is really really good. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> just do one of those. Yeah, but we'll do it like since this movie has already come out, we can talk about it. But like from the future going on, don't support anything that Kevin Spacey does. A hundred percent. Which uh, can be changed out for a lot of people at this point. Anyway, moving back to this film, which is great. Um, with uh, Kevin Spacey being condemned now, we, mm-hmm. we can move on here. I want to talk about awards a little bit. So as okay. we mentioned with the ratings, this movie definitely was well-received. Uh, as far as awards are concerned, this one was actually nominated for three Oscars for film editing, sound editing, and sound mixing, yes. which if I had to pick three Oscars, that I probably would say it, this, those, exactly. those are the right ones. And it yeah. wasn't, That's I guess that's one thing that I kind of have said little bit is like the main takeaway for me is not necessarily a single performance or or the actor's performance it's Mm -hmm. more the fact of the music and how they incorporate it into this movie into the shots into the scenes right and that's the the thing that is so unique and so brilliant about this movie is is how they incorporate the soundtrack to basically drive the entire movie oh definitely fill in the mood and the scenes and stuff like that so yeah and that's what i want to get into after I, i mentioned that uh they were also nominated for a golden globe for best actor in a musical or comedy for ansel elgort which i actually did not realize he got nominated for a Golden Globe. i did not even know that he had had gotten nominated for that yeah so wow i guess that is impressive to me because it can show you can get nominated for something literally based on like like body mannerisms and like yeah, presence because exactly. he does not say very much in this movie. No, I mean, I, we, we haven't talked a, a ton about Baby, the actual character, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much more you have for awards. That's it, actually. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then we can talk about Baby, the character. <laughs> um, he was in a, in a crash as a, a kid with his parents in the front seat, so yep. they actually ended up passing away in the crash and then he got tinnitus Mm -hmm. which is kind of the whole backstory for why the music fuels the movie right so constant ringing in his ear and he's trying to drown it out with music uh, and so he has playlists and mixtapes and stuff like that two things about that so i was gonna say because we've talked about it actually already on this episode so one of the awesome things about this movie is that there's music always playing or being incorporated and a lot of times it's clearly being from baby listening to it in his headphones so in almost every scene in this movie where no music is playing you can hear a slight ringing in the background which is like to resemble his tinnitus i actually have noticed that i didn't notice it when i was in the theaters because i just i probably just assumed like oh it's the speakers or something like that Mm -hmm. when i got home and and rewatched it i was like Oh, you can hear baby's tinnitus in the background of the movie. Exactly. And yeah. that's, again, it speaks to the brilliance of Edgar Wright. And um, I guess going back to the, the award that Ansel was nominated for, the fact that it was a comedy or a musical, I feel like neither of those quite describe what this movie is. Yeah. But at the same time, it kind of is the mood that they're going for of like cracking kind of jokes and, and being a little bit sarcastic. And then at the same time, it's like, oh, we need to, babies constantly listening to music. How do we get that across to the right. audience? Well, that's what I've talked about. Like I talked about in my like Oscars um, episode that I did. The Golden Globes do this weird thing where it's kind of like second place award for Golden Globes is like they have the best actor and actress and then they have best actor and actress in a musical or comedy. So it's like, so it's kind of like, so a they're joke, like, like, yeah, <laughs> like this movie was totally a musical or a comedy. I, there was one of them that I think like this is gonna be totally off the wall, and I'm 
it's one of them that's like if it's not this exactly it's like this it was something like american psycho with christian bale like he got nominated for best actor for like musical or comedy like it's one of those like they'll it's happened like that before where it's like that's not a musical or a comedy but i get it that you wanted right. to that you wanted to fit that you wanted that to give mold. it to oh he just got nominated for or he won the golden globe christian bale did for playing dick cheney in vice this yeah. year and it was for vice got nominated for best musical or comedy it, but it's neither of those doesn't things. make sense yeah it's but, not i mean you could laugh at it but it's a very sad right like thing pulling back the curtain into how george bush really wasn't the president <laughs> it was dick cheney yeah but um yeah and so with this too like you mentioned uh a lot of the stuff about him listening to music and always having sunglasses on are kind of divining character traits and uh listening to some, some interviews with edgar wright he talked about the extensive collection of sunglasses and ipods that baby owns yep. uh he says that they weren't bought by him. They were taken from the cars that he had stolen. Cause as we mentioned, he kind of grows up without parents and, um, has to find his way. And he ends up stealing a lot of cars and, and yeah. learning that he's really good at driving them. And, uh, and so Edgar Wright said that if he has been stealing cars since he was 12, the main thing he would have inherited from those stolen cars are people's sunglasses, sunglasses and, iPods. and iPods. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, I actually stumbled across that same exact thing and it hadn't quite dawned on me either. Cause I just assumed, because in the movie, Baby also does this thing where he records a majority of his conversations, and yeah. then he'll play them back, and uh, he'll create music or mixes to the conversations. And mm-hmm. I actually, I'm pretty sure that's actually Ansel Elgort doing the mixing for I those believe songs it is too, in the yeah. movie. Because he actually makes because he's of an his actual music musician, yeah. yeah. And that's just that's like another cool way to play on baby and um we haven't talked about joe yet but joe's his deaf foster father mm-hmm. that he kind of looks after so baby's whole life is kind of encompassed in like oh like we don't do or there isn't a lot of <laughs> this sounds rude but like hearing happening in the house I, yeah there's not there's since i don't know i mean like the person that. that's is kind of his caretaker can't speak and baby what is it he's kind of a mute himself right almost. he's like just it's... a quiet person but with also with the the hearing loss that he has he tends to just be secluded in his own world yeah and so that they relate through music yeah that's what i'm trying to get at that's yeah. how he kind of processes especially the the life of crime that he's in mm-hmm. he's like they talk about it and it's like was he fat or was he slow behind the wheel and then he makes a mix out of that was he was he was he slow and it's like, yeah just kind of shows that he processes things in a different way and that Sometimes he's a little too overwhelmed, and that's another way for him to cope with the fact that he's stuck in this crime life. Right. You know? Yeah. But I think the dynamic with him and Joe is a really good one. Absolutely. It it shows that, like, Joe understands he's in this life that he doesn't want to be in, and he tries to support him, but he also realizes, like, it's hard to be in a situation where you feel alone, because Joe does too, being someone that's deaf and... Um, the character Joseph actually was originally written to be much older, I found out. Uh, he was supposed to be a- around his mid-80s. Oh. Uh, but C.J. Jones, who ended up playing Joseph, mm-hmm. um, is actually deaf in real life. And he was discovered and recommended by their casting director for this oh, movie wow. to be in it. Ansel Elgort actually had to learn sign language to communicate with him for the movie because they do speak in sign language yeah, in the film. that's really cool. I did, I did not see that when i was trying to do some research for this but i just thought that was a cool addition because yeah being that like dialogue or like uh lyrics and music is such a big part of how he interacts like Mm -hmm. 
adding that extra layer of like sign language, having a different layer of communication that he has that he only shares with Joe is really cool. And that's, and even going further into that, they kind of give you a a brief glimpse of how Joe can kind of support baby throughout the movie is when after baby has met Deborah, he goes home and he's like playing a song that's singing about a beautiful girl or something. I I can't remember exactly what the song is. But Joe just kind of wheels himself. Oh, he's in a wheelchair as well. But he, he rolls himself up next to the speaker and puts his hand on it. And then he can feel the vibrations in the beat and then knows what song it is. And then he, he continues to talk to Ansel. So it's kind of even deeper to show like, oh, they can feel each other's emotions through the music as well. Because like yeah. he, he knows the song, picks it up, and he's like, what girl are you crushing on right now? He, yeah, he signs to him and he goes, I approve. And then Baby's like, of the song? And he says, of the girl. Right. Because yeah. he knows like when you're listening to this type of music and you're happy like this, I, I can tell the emotion that's coming out of you yeah. is from a specific thing. And it just shows like nobody really, up until that point, we realize nobody really gets Baby because he's kind of secluded and yeah. is in this world where he feels like he doesn't fit in. But then like Joe is the person who gets him. And yeah. so it's a cool... Uh, thing to show that like the both of them are secluded personally but then together like they have a good a really connection. great bond that, yeah that actually comes across in the screen because you see baby throughout the movie continuously try his hardest to make sure joe doesn't get hurt or caught up in his life right and tries to give joe the best life he can as kind of joe's caretaker towards i guess the middle of the movie is when it you see it flip and like Ansel goes home and is or baby goes home and is actually taking care of joe mm-hmm. rather than it being flipped yeah so We've talked about a little bit. I want to get into some of our specific favorite points about the fact that this film is one that focuses so heavily around music. Okay. Uh, starting with, I'm going to throw this out there and we're going to talk about it. All right. So the director of photography for this film, uh, his name is Bill Pope. The DP. Yeah, he called this movie a postmodern musical and stated that there's not hmm. singing and dancing in the street, but the world acts to music. And I thought that was like a very interesting and like agreeable way to explain this movie um it's a very precise way to put it and to sum up baby driver yeah because from someone who's on the back end seeing how this movie was made but also watching it he understands like both sides of it Mm -hmm. and seeing how much time was actually put into this i mean that's why i want to talk about it so everything about this movie was designed to work with the music that you're hearing. Yeah, and actually, it it all started in 1994 with Edgar Wright. In the the opening scene, the song is Bell Bottoms. I'm not quite sure who it's by. I Great kinda, song. Yeah, but actually in 1994, Edgar Wright heard this song, and then while listening to this song, had the idea, the daydream of, oh, a, a car chase to this song would be so cool in a movie. And that's actually where he started... Yeah. Started with the idea for Baby Driver. It's by the John Spencer Blues Explosion. There we go. I don't know who they are, but it's a great song. <laughs> well, the guy, actually, John Spencer, the lead in the that band, I told you he actually has a cameo in this movie as well. Oh, as a prison guard. guard yeah, prison guard, yeah. That. Which is really cool. Um, but we talked about it, too, how <clears throat> Edgar Wright wanted this film to be based around music. Yep. Um, so he actually, each script that was sent to the main characters, uh, that were wanted for their respective roles, uh, the script included an iPod that contained a list of songs that was to be played, arranged in a specific order while reading a particular scene for the movie in order to emphasize the tone of that scene. And that was something that Edgar Wright himself, like, curated and put together, which is crazy. It's just, I, I've said this already five times but i'm somebody that repeats myself when i'm trying to make this point the fact of like i can't stress enough how 
incredible it is to see the music drive the scene. Yeah. To not have it the other way around of like where somebody's acting and then you kind of notice like the orchestrated music comes in and then you start to like feel this, the scene change and switch. It's from the get go. The music sets your pace, your tone, your tempo, and then they choose music that'll even switch halfway through and to give you a completely different feel in the same scene with the same song. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and everything is timed up with that too. Yeah. Most, most of the gunshots in this film are actually in time with the beat of the music that's being played. And actually they do it with automatic weapons as well right and yeah there's a scene where darlin and um buddy mm-hmm. are trying to get away um after this heist and baby's there as well and he's trying to get away on his own and there's a there's a shootout with police and there's two different songs and two different shootouts in this where they have automatic weapons that line up with the like the slap of a drum or a cymbal or something like that and it's like you don't even realize it but you're taking in everything that's happening in the movie with a second meaning at this point because then it's also like it's just orchestrated so perfectly that it's in unison and you don't even think about the fact that like oh they're singing this song right and now they're all reacting like like the tempo of what's going on matches both the song and the the scene itself but um so that's what i want to talk obviously we mentioned that music is in sync with any with everything one of my favorite examples of that in this movie um is actually right towards the beginning after they have their first um heist and they're going to leave after it's kind of a tradition for baby to go and get coffee for everybody um and so that's the thing that you see a couple times is him doing that coffee run and the first time that he does it when he is leaving the coffee shop, there's a tracking shot um, that follows him leaving the coffee shop and then walking to the building that we're, they're going to be in. It's Octane Coffee House. Right. And so during that one continuous shot, Baby walks by a bunch of things. Um, he walks in between buildings, walks past trees, walks past graffiti. There's words that are printed, spray-painted, anywhere written on a bunch of different things throughout that shot that are that match the lyrics of the song that's going to be played um and that shot actually uh took 28 takes and the 21st take is the one that's used in the movie which i thought was interesting that is really cool that's that's something that even i don't think i even realized it the first time that i had seen the movie i I feel like it took me a second to like I remember that was one thing that I did notice the first time, and I was like, yeah, oh, I, this is awesome. Yeah, I believe you're awesome. the one that said, yeah. like, did you notice this? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, what? Like, yeah, right. I didn't, how did I not catch that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they had a lot of stuff in there, because you've got an action movie. It's fast-paced. There's a lot of stuff going on, uh, specifically with the driving, too, and they want to time things up. That's one thing we talked about I thought was really crazy about how they've timed those things, because... This film, it's so finely orchestrated. Like, there's not parts where things are kind of like, oh, yeah, that is a little bit too good to be true. And you can kind of tell that it was maybe used by CGI or animated or they've made it that certain way. Um, It was actually revealed by Edgar Wright that there was little to no CGI or green screen used to film the car chase sequences. And the driving is all actually almost all practically done, which is incredible. I also read that it's actually a pretty good mix of the actor's... Driving and stunt doubles or yeah. stunt drivers doing it as yeah. well. Do you, Ansel so Elgort apparently knows how to whip around a car. Do literally everything under the sun. Yeah. <laughs> he actually got to keep his baby driver car, too. Did he really? Mm-hmm. That'd be a really cool car yeah. to have. 
Um, yeah, so that's what we want. Like, there's a lot of chase scenes in this, and to think that like all of those were actually done, and they went out there and timed them up to music and made sure everyone was doing everything the right way, and mm-hmm. was just like so meticulous about it. Whereas tying it back to Fast and Furious again, all those, all that stuff's like green screen and CGI. They're right. not blowing like jumping over right. mountains. They're and just stuff sitting in the and... studio and like half of a car with a green screen behind them. Like, yeah, exactly. This is for family. <laughs> but then in in Baby Driver, literally down to the squealing of the brakes is tied up to something. The whole movie is in unison. Yeah, and it's just it's it's a piece of art, is what it is. Oh, one hundred percent. And and on the side of cinematography too, as far as the colors being used, like not only are the songs vibrant, but like everything you see on screen is very vibrant and like fast paced and everything like the cars are red or bright colors and it makes you see just everything on a different level too. Absolutely. Um, And they, Edgar Wright actually mentioned, speaking of colors that uh, baby's character and Deborah's character always wore like black and black white and, yeah okay yeah, because, i was literally just about to make this point yeah because yeah. he wanted to make things seem more like noir and like mm-hmm. old and t- like throwing it back to older films where it's more based on a romance and yeah. he wanted he like had that tie to them being like kind of a classic and there's actually so they've got a whole saying between baby and deborah it's uh i just want to head west on 20 in a car i can't afford with a plan i don't have that's kind mm-hmm. of their whole not, like a Bonnie and Clyde right type, type of deal. It's yeah. like at any point we can just blow this popsicle stand and we'll just take off down the road. Like right. You love to drive and I'd want to be somebody to see the country. So I feel like that really fuels not only baby trying to get out of his, the life that he's currently trapped in, mm-hmm. but also he kind of sees like the greener grass and he's like, Oh wait, th- I've got this girl that seems to really enjoy being around me and enjoy being in the car with me. Cause she doesn't really understand. Baby describes himself as just a driver, mm-hmm. and she just takes him as, "Oh, you're a chauffeur." Like, oh, like a chauffeur. Yeah, and then she gets in the car and she's like, "Okay, so you're definitely not a chauffeur. You're yeah. like a drag racer type of deal." So I love that conversation too when she's like, "You driven anybody I know?" And he's like, "I hope not." Yeah, like, the whole and yeah. that's that's I guess I'm trying to tie it back a little bit to like the comedy type thing is like everything that they do is it's not necessarily a one-liner but it's like a quick type of humor of like mm-hmm. you have to remember oh baby driver or baby hates his life like and he's like i really hope you don't know any of the criminals that i've met over the past 12 right. years type yeah. of thing and that's one part because then he does develops that loving relationship with her and then later in the f- film when bats wants to go into the diner that oh. she, and he knows that's where she works and he says no to her yeah the only time baby like, oh. really stands up or or yeah. specifically speaks his mind no that diner sucks i don't want to go there yeah and then of course bats being the unpredictable guy he is is like all right well we're we got to go in there now like yeah exactly so um but i just think that there's there's so many different aspects of this film that were so well put together. Um, and speaking of the the comedic aspect of it, the scene when they're wearing Mike Myers masks, um, <laughs> which is hilarious. Like, and they're not like Michael Myers from Halloween. Like, it's they're Mike Myers, like person. Austin Powers. Yeah. yeah. The funny fact about that, they were actually supposed to be Michael Myers masks. The Halloween. Um, yeah, but the the, the producers of the film were unable to obtain legal permission to use those. And so Edgar Wright actually reached out to Mike Myers, the actor and comedian, and asked <laughs> if he could use those masks. And he thought it was funny and gave him that his is, blessing. It was yeah. so funny, too. It's just they're going in. They're about to rob a bank or like a, a Brink security truck. And, yeah. you know, Bats is given this kind of like crazy... Not motivational. What they but have like, is ours. They yeah. stole it from us. We were and we're going to take it back. Night, they came in and took it from us. And then they pull out these 
Austin Power, <laughs> Austin Powers mask, and like, all right, let's go rob a bank. And yeah, kind of like, taking What are back. these? And he's like, it's Mike Myers, groovy baby, yeah. Austin Powers. And he's like, no, like Halloween. Right. And he's like, these are Halloween masks. He's like, like, you're that's so not- dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's there's some comedic relief there too, which Absolutely. I love because it's it takes this film which is always so serious and like it's never intentional humor from the characters. It's just they're doing something that we laugh at. Yeah, um, which is my favorite type of of comedy in a serious film. Because um, if you start to try and like make serious characters try to be funny, yeah, a lot it, of times it's like hit or miss. And that's that's what's so it's so natural. Like nothing is forced about it. It just seems like if. If you were about to rob a bank, which mm-hmm. I hope nobody ever tries to do that is listening to this podcast. Yeah, don't do that. If if you were about to do that and like the whole time you're like, okay, we're going to have these scary masks and like people, and then you roll up and you look like Austin Powers, like that's kind of <laughs> messed with your mind a little bit and you're going to be like, wait, I don't understand. And then just to sit there and watch that happen is just, it's it's so funny, but not even really meaning to stick out that much. Right. It just, it really does. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know there's there's so much in this movie that was definitely well researched obviously if even if they couldn't get permission to use those michael myers masks <laughs> they still used a lot of o- other great content um actually this one's for you keaton the knowing that monsters inc is one of if not your favorite pixar oh, movies yes i know this i know this one too yeah the movie yeah go, well, go ahead give okay it to him. um so it actually happens twice it's two different movies that he steals lines from but Okay. At one point, he's flipping through, baby's flipping through the channels at home with Joe, mm-hmm. and he stumbles upon Monsters, Inc., and it's the part where uh, Randall's, like, wrapping up Sully, and Mike's trying to talk to him, and, like, we're partners, yeah. we're friends, like, I'm, I'll never hurt you, or whatever, and then baby, lo and behold, ends up using the same line of, like, we're partners, of course you can trust me with Doc, when yeah. it comes down to, like, oh, you're gonna drive for me again, baby, like, are you gonna come back into the, the criminal life, and he's, like, yeah, of course, we're partners. Like, you can trust me. And he literally just rips the line off of Monsters, Inc. Yeah. He gives it right back to and him. And then immediately Doc was like, don't tell me another line from Monsters, Inc. Yeah, he's like, I've I got recognize f- it because my nephew no- loves that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I thought it sounded familiar. <laughs> yeah. It, that's just... And just another thing of, like, it's not supposed to be funny. It's not something that's blatantly, like, a comedic line. Yeah. But it's something that you can really appreciate and be like... That's so funny that like he's in a very serious situation of somebody that's threatening to break his kneecaps, right? And he drops a monster's incline. <laughs> yeah, of, like you can trust me, we're best friends, right? Like, <laughs> I knew you'd like that. And my fact about that is this was actually the first R-rated movie that was given permission to show footage from a Disney film, really, uh, because they actually did show Dis- the Monsters Inc. scene in there. Yeah, uh, Pete Doctor, who's the director of Monsters Inc., is actually given a special thanks credit in the end credits as a result of that wow which is really cool to see because it definitely did like show it, it was a great part of the movie and it's it's um, kind of like an easter egg that disney likes to do is because if you hadn't seen it on the tv you probably wouldn't have caught the line yeah. that baby says to him yeah because it's only specifically like a 10 to 15 second yep. clip in the background that's happening so yeah. if you really didn't key in on that you you wouldn't have caught it when he says it to doc yep exactly um but in another thing, mentioning how Doc mentions that his nephew loves Monsters, Inc., speaking yeah. of his nephew, uh, Edgar Wright actually got the idea for Doc to bring his nephew in the, the scene where his nephew goes in and scopes out the bank. 
um, with Bavy, <laughs> like an actual like, mastermind. Like an actual mastermind. Yeah, he actually got that idea because during the creation of this movie, Edgar Wright interviewed a bunch of um, ex-cons or people who had done prior robberies and yep. bank heists and talked to them about their experiences so he could be more realistic. Yep. And he actually interviewed an ex-con who revealed that he had used his own nephew prior to wow. a bank robbery to scope it out. I had uh, I had read that as well. That I hadn't read that specific. Um, story about about the nephew but i had read that edgar wright really did try to research and like actual talk to real ex-cons or or robbers and be like hey like what's your story how'd you end up here like right what'd you do to get away from the cops or something like that and then he actually tried to draw inspiration and put that into the movie yeah um and i think that he did it very well like everything that he added into that movie comes together nothing but high praise yeah and like you said it's it's definitely a brainchild of his like he solely wrote and directed this movie and it was a lot of years in the making i mean because yeah, so he wanted to make it he released it 2017 right or that's when Correct. the movie was released yep. so he had the original idea for it in 1994 yeah so he sat there for 20 do quick math 24 years mm-hmm. and was like okay well what do, what do i do or yeah 23 years and was like and finally, he gets it all worked out perfectly, and that again, that just shows how tedious he must have been about it to like making sure that this get was his the right actors, thing for him. Get the yeah. music exactly how he wanted it, every stunt exactly timed out perfectly. Like the the amount of work that has gone into it, a hundred percent shows on the screen. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, Keterbug, okay, I have a reoccurring thing that I like to do with my guests on the show. Mm-hmm. If I know you're a listener, so you're probably familiar with it. Yeah, you're gonna ask me to give a couple words. Yeah, oh, if geez. you, <laughs> if okay, you, okay. if this is to give people uh, a taste into what my life is like every time I talk to somebody about a movie that I like, and they'll say like, "Okay, what's a movie I should watch?" And then I'll say, and they're "Like, what's that one about? What's that one about?" So I always it's have to give hardest, people on the spot yeah. things. Okay. All right, so we're in a conversation. I've never seen Baby Driver, and you need to explain to me why I should watch it. Go. Why you should watch Baby Driver? Um. Okay, Baby Driver is one of the most unique and thoughtful productions that I have seen in, I don't know, maybe five years or something like because there's been a lot of great movies. But this just, it's something that you can feel the love and you can feel the energy through the screen. And it's not necessarily a feel-good movie and it's not necessarily like a, a crime movie or like a drama movie, but it's it's just an all-around incredible movie that the acting the shots the music the props and all those things it's it all adds up to a very simplistic type of timeline and kind of like just the really perfect experience i don't know it's, it's a lot harder than that i just <laughs> thought it was going to be but <laughs> that was more, great more of a ramble <laughs> i'll watch it you, you talked me into it i'll see it right now baby wow. driver yeah i could apparently i could get you to buy anything if you got sold off of that one. <laughs> <laughs> keaton could sell water to a boat <laughs> yeah no i thought that was great i i definitely agree this this film is something that's very genuine and unique and even though we've compared it to other types of movies in this genre it's a comparison to show that this can't be compared to anything yeah else. that it's this completely is a one and it's standalone yeah never gonna be remade well actually they are making a baby driver too which but nothing but high hopes for we'll see uh we'll see how long it'll take edgar yeah. right to put <laughs> take, it together take him another 20 years <laughs> yeah right <laughs> when it comes out people are gonna be like there's a baby driver one yeah i didn't Who's even know Ansel elgort yeah what? right why is this 60 year old man driving a car <laughs> <laughs> what is this bad grandpa two yeah right three i don't know all right 
K Bug, Keaton Schroeder, Key Delicious. That's a good one. Yeah, I never yeah, that used one. that. It was right off the top of my head. Never said that out loud. Just before. rolled off. <laughs> yep. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I was uh, happy to be here and talk about probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, hopefully this is one of uh, your favorite podcasts of all time. Uh, I don't think I'm going to want to listen to myself, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. I don't think it'll be a good podcast for me to listen to. But I was happy to be here and, and record it. Yeah, well, hopefully you'll be a recurring guest because, like with Eric a couple weeks ago, you and I both definitely have a long list of movies that we can talk about. Oh yeah, um, whether we enjoy them, we. I mean, we have a really similar taste in movies. I feel like. I feel like you're you directly influenced what kind of movies I watch and like. So I mean, you're the older brother, three years older than me. So anything that you did and were watching, I was like, wow, that's probably pretty cool. I should probably give that a look. You know, so yeah. Well, we we definitely have a list already of movies that we could talk about, but hopefully that'll get added too, and we'll have you on the podcast a few more times. Oh, I'll definitely but, be back. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been another episode of Film Junkies with Griff and Friends. Friends.